Well, we're in our fourth week of our topic this month on when shall these things be. And for me, it couldn't be soon enough. Amen. It couldn't be soon enough. Anyone got a mortgage? A car payment? All of the above. Probably your mortgage, I don't know. Mine has still got a long way to go. So I'm not planning to pay it, not because I'm a, a deadbeat, but I'm hoping Jesus comes and then they can, they can take that property. Amen. I don't know how long it will be for my car note. I haven't checked lately, but they can take that too if Jesus comes. Amen. And we're, we're focusing on, on uh, as the Bible says, making sure that we are ready. And as we see these things being fulfilled, that we take note what is going on. Amen. In Matthew 24, 3 was the main uh, focus scripture this month because it was a private briefing that Jesus gave his disciples when they asked him some questions and he started to tell them some things that were happening. And we can see so many of these things being fulfilled before our very eyes. But he said, but the end is not yet. Yet there's going to be wars, rumors, pestilences, but the end is not yet. In Matthew 28, um, he gives what the end is. He says, when this gospel of the kingdom be preached to all nations... Then shall the end. It's really interesting that the end isn't determined by Satan. It's not determined by Satan and him trying to tear the place up. It's determined when God says so. It's determined when his word is preached. It's determined when that message goes out to that last person who is listening. It says that this gospel shall be preached to all nations. Then shall the end come. It's really interesting. It's not determined by Satan. No, no way. It's determined on God's timetable. You know, Jesus, as you can look at his life, he did things in, in certain times. It says, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman. Everything is on God's timetable. It's not even on our timetable. You know, many times we want God to do stuff. I'm included. I'm very impatient. I want him to do it now. But in the end, when he does it, it couldn't have been better. And we don't see that until we can look back and then we can say, wow, God, I'm so glad that you didn't listen to me. I'm so glad that you blocked that door. I'm so glad you opened this one instead. You know, when we listen to God, when we're in sync with God, then his will is the best will. So as we saw, Jesus started to tell his disciple these things. But of course, he had already laid out much of it in the Old Testament. And he gave, of course, one of the foremost prophecies in the book of Daniel, which we've covered, but we're going to go over it again just to refresh, um, about the timeline. And it kicks off with, in Daniel chapter 9, and I'm not going to read it all, but it kicks off in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel began to pray in chapter 9. It's a beautiful prayer. It's a really beautiful prayer. Daniel starts to confess, not because so much he had done a thing wrong. He's one of the two people in the whole Bible of which there is nothing negative said. But yet he's confessing on behalf of his people, Israel. And he starts to pray. And he starts to humble himself. He starts to stand upon the promise that was given to Solomon. He opens his window and he prays facing towards the direction of Jerusalem. He's a captive hundreds of miles out in Babylon. But yet he remembers the prophecy that if my people that are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face... And turn. So he starts to pray, and his direction is towards Jerusalem. And he gets the answer. An angel comes and starts to reveal to him God's ultimate plan for not just Israel, but for the whole world. And the, the, the particular scripture that we were focusing last week, I said the beginning of it is found in verse 27. It says, And he shall confirm a covenant. There's going to be some kind of treaty that kicks this last end time period off. And in the midst of the seven, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. What it's saying is that in the midst of this seven-year period, whoever this person is, we call him the Antichrist, is going to break the treaty that he made. And that will be the start of the last three and a half years. But before that, or by then, we're believing that God is going to take us out of here. Amen? John 14, verse 1 says, Let not... Your heart be troubled. I have to admit, sometimes my heart gets troubled. <laughs> sometimes I look at certain situation and my flesh starts to panic. 
And then I start to call on the name of the Lord. I said, Lord, you got you to you gotta come into this situation. You got to deliver me. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. That's the promise of if we are a believer, that to not let our heart be troubled. I preached about entering his rest. And you know, it's, 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 it's focusing on what we can see is the problem because we can see the storm. We can see the tribulation. And that is the issue. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there he may be also. That is the promise that God has given us, that there is coming a point where he's going to take us away. Philippians tells us this, that our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Who has a passport? Who's, who's applied and got a passport? Okay, one or two of you. And it probably says citizen of the United States, right? But you know, if you're a Christian, you got dual citizenship. <laughs> if you've been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost... Philippians tells us our citizenship is in heaven. Now, the thing about being a citizen, and in the news last night, you, you may have noticed that the United States went into Sudan and rescued all of the, all of the Americans. What, what did they do? They went and took them out. Why? Because they were citizens of the USA. You know what's going to happen when this world starts to get mad? Our king of kings is going to come because we're citizens and take us out. That's the power of citizenship. When you belong to the king of kings, just as how countries rescue their own citizens, God is not going to leave us. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. See, we knew this was going to happen because if you were listening to the news, they were saying that the U.S. was sending soldiers and aircraft and starting to get ready. They were preparing a place to go and rescue the citizens. If, if, if the United States can do that, don't think that God isn't doing the same thing. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await. Boy, I'm eagerly awaiting. Eagerly awaiting a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything, let's say everything, under his control. See, most nations, they can't do everything under their control. But our citizenship, the place where we're going, the king of that place can bring everything everything under his control and will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Amen. And of course, the scripture that, that really lays it out is in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one, and I've put this in a modern translation for it. it says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We don't know how it's going to work. It's a mystery. We will not all sleep. We're not all going to pass off here. But we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on, what must put on, what? immortality or with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality that's the promise that's the promise as i said we saw what happened yesterday the united states went in and rescued and took out all their cities they flew them out of there they lifted them up in the air that's exactly what our citizenship is going to provide for us when it starts to get hot when your, your building is surrounded, when there is, there is trouble and you can't go out, God is going to come and take us out. Isn't that awesome? Amen. So we're going to go a little bit deeper today. Um, and I, I'm going to try and slow down because sometimes I, I put so much that it's a little bit uh, tricky. But many of you have heard this before. But we learn by what? 
Repetition, repetition. When you're growing up, they, say, they make you say your times tables, right? Two times two is four, two t- and so on until you learn it by heart. Amen. So the Bible speaks about several different days. Revelation 1-7 says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. They also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Now we know that there's a day that we call the rapture, which is we are caught away. But there's a day when he comes back, not to leave anymore. When he sets up his kingdom. Amen. So there are two days that we, we, we that are very important. Amen. And we're going to look at those two days in this part of the lesson. Amen. We know that there is a seven-year period coming along called the tribulation. And we know that at the end of that seven-year period, we know that he's coming back to set up his kingdom. He's not going to leave it to men anymore to make a mess of the earth. And we call that the second coming because he came the first time, right? And as he was finally going up on the Mount of Olives, the disciples were looking and the Bible says he was taken up in a cloud and they just kept on looking up. (laughs) They just kept on looking up and finally some angels said, Amen of Galilee, why stand you gazing? Can you imagine they were going... Finally, the angel had to say, Amen of Galilee. This is what he said he was going to do. Why stand he gazing? Don't you know he shall come again? In like manner. Bible says in Ezekiel, he's going to come back to the very spot on that mount where he took off. Amen. Even the Jews, even though they don't believe in the Messiah... They know the prophecy, and you'll find that if you go to Israel, that mountain has been a, made a, um, a special grave, uh, graveyard because they believe that when he comes back, all the dead bodies are going to be resurrected. Remember what Martha said when he came. He says, I know that uh, you're gonna, um, everybody's going to be resurrected on the last day. See, they believe that. And so for some reason, if you go to Jerusalem, and I'm planning to go, <laughs> I'm planning to go, On the Mount of Olives, there is a graveyard that is full of Jewish graves, waiting for that day when he comes back. Waiting for that day when he comes back. So we know that at the end of the seven years, he's coming back to set up his kingdom, and we get to rule and reign with him. So the only question is, when is the rapture? When when do we get to leave this place? When is the evacuation? Well, just like what happened last night, They didn't publish it. They didn't let everybody know because it would have been uh, more dangerous. Everybody kind of knew it was coming, but they didn't know when. All they told those people is, be prepared, we're coming to get you. God has told us, be prepared, I'm coming to get you. So some people think it's, it's at the beginning, and some people think it's in the middle. The main thing is be ready. Be ready. For at midnight there went out a cry, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Amen. So we're going to look at that, you know, and again, don't necessarily go by what I say. You have to be convinced of your own self. The main thing is whatever day it is, be ready. I'm sure the message went out to all those people in the embassy. We're coming to get you. Make sure you got your bags packed. Uh, You can only take what you can carry in one hand. Get yourself. You can't take everything with you. Right? You can't take uh, your friend outside. If he doesn't have that citizenship, sorry, not going. We're only taking U.S. citizens. See, that's why Philippians says our citizenship. It's important. You may not have a U.S. passport, but you better have that passport. Amen. You better have that passport or else you are not going. They only came to take a limited number of people. Amen. So we're going to talk about this. The Bible speaks about this in Revelation. It speaks just as though there are two days, there are two resurrections. The first and the last. And as you all know, you got to be in the first. Amen. Let's read it. In Revelation 20, verse 4. And it says, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. 
And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. Now, the ones that are sitting on there are the 24 elders. That's in the previous verse. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. Do you know, the 24 elders is the church. Because earlier in Revelation, it said, because thou hast redeemed us by thy blood. Remember, the Bible says we are going to reign with him. Paul says, know ye not that you shall do what? Judge. Look at this. And I saw thrones and, and, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. That means the, the, the 24 elders were given the power to judge. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God. And here's the key to when the timing of this, this particular thing is. It says, and which had not worshipped the beast neither received his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now, there's so much in that one verse, and I've taught it before, but I'm going to teach it again so you really get it. First of all, John in his vision says, what does he see first? He says he saw the souls. That means they were dead. Right? He saw the souls. And these people had been through the tribulation. Because it says they had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received the mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And so what happened to them? Because they wouldn't do that, what happened to them? They were beheaded. They were killed. You don't want to go through the tribulation. You don't want to experience that because you need to be able to live for Christ now. Because if you can't live for Christ now, are you prepared to die for Christ? Because that's what it will take. Now, this is a resurrection because it says, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The Bible is very explicit. It tells us the end of the first resurrection. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Is that clear? In Revelation 20 verse 5, it tells us that the first resurrection ends at the end of the tribulation. It's very clear. So we know when the first resurrection ended because it says that these people, he saw them first as souls, and then they lived, right? And then they reigned. So they were resurrected. And it's very clear because it says, for the rest of the dead, live not. So these people were dead, but they were brought back to life, and they went into the millennium. So, Revelation 20, verse 6, then says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in what? The first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. Now, this verse is what confuses so many people, and that's why there's been so much debate as to when the rapture is. Because some people take this verse and think, okay, this proves the rapture, is at the end of the, of the seven years, at the end of the tribulation. Hold that thought. This certainly is a resurrection. There's no doubt about it. But is it the rapture? And my answer to you would be no. And I will show you. You see, the first resurrection begins when? When did the first resurrection? What, who was the first person to be resurrected, never to die again? Jesus. The Bible tells us that. So we know the end of the first resurrection. It ends at the end of the seven-year tribulation. But it isn't one day. This is the secret. It was not one day. It started 2,000 years ago with Jesus. The Bible tells us that he was the first fruits of them that were resurrected. Okay. So we know that the first resurrection began with Jesus coming out of the grave. And we know from Revelation 20, verse 5, that it ends with Jesus' return. So the whole period is the first resurrection. And we're going to look at this much more deeply, and we're going to show you how God planned this, because if it was only the church that was resurrected, how do the, how do the Old Testament saints get saved? How do they... Do they stay down there in the grave? No, no. How do the people, as you saw, who went through the tribulation and were willing to die, 
How do they get saved? Well, it shows you very clearly that they were in the first resurrection. Revelation 20 and verse 5. So let's look at this a little bit more. 1 Corinthians 15.20 says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become, what does it say? Of them that slept. So the first resurrection started with Christ. It says explicitly, He has become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. But for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his... And this is the most important verse. What does it say? What the scripture is telling us that the first resurrection isn't one day. But there were several groups. Christ being the first group. Every man in his own group or order. Christ the first fruits. Afterwards, they that are Christ that is coming. And so we see that the scripture is telling us that it wasn't one single day. And this is modeled later in what we're going to show you. Then shall cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule, all authority and power. He, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. Of course, that is fulfilling Genesis 3.15, Right? that he was going to crush the serpent's head. It's going to be under his feet. It's going to be under our feet. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on now. Let's give God some praise. So I said that whether it's a, 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 a pre-tribulation rapture, a mid-tribulation rapture, or a, at the post-tribulation, the main thing is to be what? Ready. Got to be ready. Amen. Anyone who wasn't in the embassy when they came yesterday, I think got left. <laughs> you had to be at a certain place where they told you we're coming. You stay there till we come. You take only what you can carry in one hand and be ready. We're not telling you exactly what time we're coming. We can come from here this time to this time. Be ready. That's exactly what God has told us to be ready. But I'm just going to give you my, my take on things. You don't have to agree with this. It's not a salvation issue. The salvation issue is to be ready. Amen. But I'm going to give you my understanding of why I believe that it is going to be in the middle. Amen. So we know that God gave the Jews in the Old Testament seven feasts, right? And each one had a prophetic meaning. Passover... Unleavened bread, first fruits, of course, Pentecost is in the middle, trumpets, atonements, and tabernacles. And really, this gives us some clue to the timing of the, the rapture. These, these seven feasts were divided into two groups. The spring feasts, which we've just completed, right? We went through Passover just a few weeks ago, and unleavened bread, and first fruits, and now we're coming up to the month in the Jewish um, name of Sivan, which is when Pentecost will be. And then in the fall, we have trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. The, there were seven feasts. Now, each of these feasts, uh, they were given different commands that they were to obey. But three of the feasts are special. Three of the feasts are harvest festivals. That means that there was an agricultural product that was harvested. And we d talked about this last week. On Passover, what was the harvest product? Barley. Barley. Barley was the first crop that was harvested in the year. It was planted in the, in the fall of the previous year. And in the spring, they would harvest it. In fact, the name of the month before it was changed was called Abib. And Abib, Abib actually refers in Hebrew, to, the, to barley. It, it's talking about the air of the, the barley. When they went to, Nebu, uh, to Babylon, they adopted the Persian names for all the months, and so it became Nisan. But originally, you'll find in Exodus, it's called Abib. Now, of course, they call it Nisan. So Passover was one of the three feasts that God commanded all the able-bodied males to come to Jerusalem. All right? So Passover, everybody was to come to Jerusalem. And when was the next feast everybody was to come to Jerusalem? 
Of the seven feasts, what was the next harvest festival? When was the wheat harvested? Pentecost. Pentecost. So on Pentecost was also a harvest festival. And that's why on the day of Pentecost, it says there were uh, Jews from all over. They heard uh, them speaking in their own language. So God commanded them on Passover, on Pentecost, they had to come to Jerusalem. And then there was one more feast that was also a harvest festival that they were also to come. Tabernacles. So the three feasts are one at the beginning, one in the middle, and one at the end. Right? So the first harvest that they were commanded to bring the first fruits of was the barley. Remember, it says Jesus has become the first fruits of them that were dead. So he represented, what nation was Jesus? What, was, what nationality was Jesus? Jesus. Jewish. He was Jewish. He represented the barley. The barley represents the Jews. They were to come uh, as under the law without leaven. Today we're going to celebrate his death and his resurrection. We're going to have communion. So they were to bring the loaves of barley without leaven. Fifty days later on the day of Pentecost, here comes which harvest now? Which, which grain? The wheat. The wheat harvest. They were to bring the first fruits of the wheat to bring to the priest. Nobody was to eat any of the harvest until it had been first presented at the temple to God. And they would take the sheaf of wheat, the Bible says, and present a wave offering. And then there were several other products, but the two that are mentioned in Revelation, we have the barley, the wheat, and there's the two more, the wine and the oil. The harvest of the wine and the oil, the olive oil. And what feast was that harvested on? Tabernacles. That was the last feast of the year. So in fact, the harvest was a whole year. It wasn't one day. You understand what I'm saying? The harvest, the gathering, represented four different things. Four different groups. The barley, the wheat, the oil, and the wine. That's why in Revelations it says, hurt not the barley or the wheat or the oil or the wine. Till we have sealed the servants of our God. Amen. So those, those four products represented the harvest for the year. And what I'm trying to tell you is that the first resurrection is a harvest year. It's not a harvest day. And it, those four agricultural products, why God told them to come, was to represent the groups. Jesus being the first fruit. Every man in his own order in his own group right so let's look at that so the wheat harvest though which represents the church was in the middle right we have passover which was the barley which was the jews the wheat harvest in this in this model that i'm showing you was in the middle and the oil and the wine was at the end now it's interesting that two of the 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 products We're talking about our grains, barley and wheat. But the ones at the end, you don't get them as oil and wine. They don't come as oil and wine. What do you have to do to get them as oil and wine? They have to go through some crushing. They represent the tribulation saints. You get it? You see it? They don't come unless they get crushed. That's why you don't want to be in that harvest. Let's look what Jesus said. John 4.35 Say not not ye that there are yet four months. And when he said that, the only only, um, grouping of months that that can fit in is between Pentecost and Tishri. The four months. When you look at the seven feasts, there's only one place where there is a space of four months. So we know when he said that, we can identify the timeline, what he means. He was saying, listen, you guys are saying there are yet four months to the harvest, to the, to the last harvest. Behold, I say unto you, 
lift up your eyes and look. For the fields, for they are already white, already to harvest. So although we think it will be on Feast of Trumpets, it may not be. Could be sooner. Because what did he say? You say there's four months. When we celebrate Pentecost in a few weeks, there will be four months to the Feast of Trumpets. Jesus was saying, you think it's going to be Feast of Trumpets, but don't back, b- bet on it. Because I'm seeing the, fe- the, 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 the field is already ready to harvest. Let's look at, at what I was saying about how God set this up. Here are the three harvest festivals that God talked about in Exodus 23, 14. You know what, you guys, you're getting some deep teaching today. <laughs> I'm not boasting, but there's probably not any churches today that's talking about this. Let's, let's look at this. I hope it's, I hope it, you, I'm going to slow down so you get it. Remember, there's three harvest festivals. Exodus 23, 14. Three times thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year. Here's where God tells them that you got to come to Jerusalem. You got to come to the embassy. Because I'm going to be taking some of you out. Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread, which is the day after Passover. It's all, it's all grouped because you have Passover, the very next day is unleavened bread, and then three days is, is, is first fruits. And so the, it's a seven-day feast, and they just call the whole thing Passover. They can call it unleavened bread. So it's the same thing. Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread. Thou shalt eat unleavened bread seven days. As I commanded thee in the time appointed of the month, Abib. Remember, I told you that Abib was the name given to it before they changed it to Nissan. Not the car, but the month. (laughs) For in it thou camest out from Egypt, and none shall appear. You can't come empty. You had to bring your first fruits. Then the second one is the Feast of Harvest. That's Pentecost. The first fruits of thy labors, which thou hast sown in the field. And then the last one is called the Feast of Ingathering, but it's better known as the Feast of Tabernacles. So on the first Feast of First Fruits was presented the barley. Do you understand? That's when Jesus resurrected. He represented the barley. He says he be, has become the first fruits. And then on Pentecost, they would bring the wheat. Now the wheat, they told them, you don't bake it with leaven. You come with leaven, which represents sin. You see, we can't clean ourselves. Only Jesus can do that. So on Pentecost, it said you bring the, 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 the wheat and you bake two loaves of bread and you bring it that way and you present it to God. And then the last one, was the oil and the wine. And as I said, those represent the tribulation saints and the, the, the ones who have died in the Old Testament. Either case, they had to come through some pressing. You don't get oil without going through some crushing. You don't get wine without going through some crushing. So we see that all of this was the resurrection year. We know when it ended because the Bible tells us that in Revelation 20. It says, this is the first resurrection. No doubt about it. And we know when it started. It's when Jesus arose. So we are right now in the harvest year. Jesus and the people that resurrected with him when he resurrected was the barley. Because the Bible says the graves were open. You remember that? It's in Matthew 28. And many bodies, didn't say souls, many bodies of the saints arose and went into the city and were seen by many. Those were the first fruits. They were all Jews, barley. Now we're waiting for the wheat harvest. And you read about the oil and the wine, how they were beheaded. They were crushed. But they did not take... the mark of the beast. They did not worship his image. But because of that, they were crushed. They were killed. Let's look a little bit deeper. 
Let's read it again. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them. And judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls, first of all, of them that were beheaded. Why? For a witness. And in the New Testament, that word witness, you know what it is in Greek, don't you? Martyr. That's where we get the word martyr. They became martyrs because they loved not their life. Some people today love their life too much. They love the partying. They love the drugs. They love the, the alcohol. But there is going to be a remnant that even in the tribulation refuse to take the mark of the beast. Refuse to worship his image. And were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God. And which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads. Or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years but the rest of the dead live not again because if that's it, if, if that's the end of the first resurrection, you're not in that, you are in trouble until the thousand years were finished. And the Bible categorically tells us this is the first resurrection. Then he goes and said, blessed, right? Blessed are those who are in the first resurrection because upon them the second death hath no power. So, at the end of the seven years, we know there's the resurrection of the tribulation saints and the righteous dead of the Old Testament. That's the two groups, the oil and the wine. They're not in the church because they were never baptized in Jesus' name, right? So they can't be in the church in the rapture because Jesus wasn't there in the Old Testament. But they followed the best they knew what God had commanded them. And the Bible says about Abraham that he, his faith was credited for what? righteousness. So if God credits you your faith for righteousness, you're not going to hell. God can't send something that's righteous to hell. But they still are not in the church. Hebrews explains that God having reserved a better thing for us. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? These all died in faith having not received the promise. Because Jesus had not died yet. But nevertheless, remember, the Bible speaks about a marriage supper. We are the bride. He is the bride and we are, sorry, he is the groom. We are the bride. But it's a sorry wedding with no guests. <laughs> These are the guests. The Old Testament saints, Abraham, Isaac, they're the guests. So... The first resurrection started when Christ arose and he was the first fruit of the barley representing the Jews. And it's the harvest year. At some point, at some point coming up, we don't know when, but soon there will be the harvest of the wheat. It's going to start with, with this person confirming the covenant, the covenant. And then sometime in that period... In that period, we're going to have the harvest of the wheat. And then we go into, finally, the end, the millennial reign of Christ. Amen. But I'm looking for that harvest of the wheat. And I spoke about this last week, but again, we learn by repetition. Let's look at what happens in the middle of that seven years. And it's found in Revelation chapter 12 and starting at verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out, where? Into the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. Now verse 10 is the rapture, in my view. What does it say? And I heard a loud voice. Remember, the rapture is going to start with a loud voice. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now. Let's say that together. Now. There's going to be a loud voice. And it's going to say, now. Now has come salvation. See, we're right now saved by faith. Right? Right? We're saved by faith. But we haven't yet got the fullness. The Bible says what we have is the deposit. 
the earnest. When you buy a house, you put down the deposit. You're waiting for the closing. We're waiting now to move into the house. Jesus said, I've gone away to prepare a mansion for you. That where I am, you will be there. We're just waiting now for the closing. We've signed the contract. You just have to wait patiently. You have to make sure you don't back out of the deal. One time, I made a big mistake. I put down some money on the house in haste. And then I thought about it. I said, you know, that was a mistake. And I tried to get out the deal, but of course, I lost all that I put down. Here's the thing. You cannot lose with Christ. You cannot lose with Christ. Amen. So we see in Revelation 10 is really where the rapture takes place because it couldn't have happened before because... It's not until he says, now has come salvation. It's not until Satan gets completely defeated that the angel or the loud voice says, now has come salvation. Now has come salvation. And strength and the king. When is it? When he says now. When Satan gets thrown out, it says, now has come salvation. This is the scripture that convinced me when the rapture is. Now is come salvation and strength and what? The kingdom. What were we told to pray in Matthew 6? Our Father, which in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. That prayer is fulfilled when this verse 10 happens. When he says, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God. And the power of his Christ. Why? For the accuser of the brethren is cast down. Which accused them before God day and night. When shall these things be? When that voice says in a loud voice now. I'm planning on hearing that. I'm planning on hearing that voice say now. For the accuser of our brethren is cast on which accused them before God day and night. But how did they overcome him? By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. But this is the point you got to really hold on to. And they loved not their lives unto the death. The early Christians were fed to wild animals, the early Christians were tortured. They were crucified. It is, it is said that Peter was crucified upside down because he said he didn't want to, he, he didn't feel worthy to die like Jesus. So please crucify me upside down. You got to believe this thing. You've got to be sure about this thing. Because the Bible says that those that come to God must believe that he is that means that he exists and that he is a rewarder of them that what? Diligently seek him. The wise men were looking for Jesus for more than two years. We know that. They must have been absolutely certain that this baby was born. Or else why go to all this trouble? Come hundreds of miles, keep looking around. You have to have a faith to make this faith to make you're going to have to believe because there is going to be coming some tribulation we won't go through the worst of it but there is going to be some tribulation jesus said that in this life you shall have tribulation but be of good cheer be of good cheer i have overcome let's say that i have overcome amen amen see when this happens Verse 12 tells us that it must be the rapture because up until this point, if Satan was in heaven with us, accusing us, that would make no sense. If the rapture was at the beginning, then we're up there and still he's still up there accusing us. That makes no sense. Why would he be accusing us when we're already up there? So it proves that we couldn't have been up there yet. And therefore, verse 12 says, therefore what? Rejoice, he, he heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe! Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For now he's come down and he's mad. <laughs> Going to tear up the place. 
Worse than it has been already. Amen. Having great wrath. See, he can't hurt God. The only people he can hurt is the people that, that God loves. So he's going to go after the Jews. See, he's coming down with great wrath. Uh, and, and, and therefore in heaven's rejoice, he that dwell in them, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. At that point, he's only got three and a half years. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman, which brought forth the man-child. Well, we know who the woman figuratively is. There's two, there's two types there. First, it's the church, but it's also Israel. So that's what he's going to do. The last three and a half years, he's going to try and completely exterminate. He's going to try and finish what Hitler started. Hitler tried it. God did not let it go through, and Satan hasn't given up on that plot. Now, let's go back to to the fact about that there's different groups. Hebrews 7.17 says, For he testifieth, thou art a priest forever, and here it is, after the order, or in other words, after the group of Melchizedek. We were not born Jews. We're not of the Levite. Even Jesus was not a Levite. So he had to, for, for there to be a new priesthood, there had to be a new order. And that's what the scriptures say. After the order of Melchizedek, 1 Corinthians 15, 22, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive, but every man in his own order. This is the scripture was explaining that it is a harvest year. It is not one single event, resurrection. But it is only the church that gets to go to heaven. It's only the church that gets to go to heaven. Amen. You see, God has got this planned out completely. All we have to do is trust. So now let's look at this a little bit more detail. We have some time. So let's look at the very first time when Jesus resurrected. In Matthew twenty-seven fifty, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. And what does it say in verse 52? And the graves were opened. That was the barley. And many bodies. The Bible is very precise. It doesn't make a mistake. It didn't say souls. This was not a spirit coming up. This was a body of the saints which are broke. Not everybody. It said many. And came out of the graves after his resurrection. And went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now this was prophesied. There's not just one scripture that shows this, that there would be a res- bodily resurrection when Jesus arose. Isaiah 29, 26, 19. What does that say? Read it with me. Thy dead men shall live together with my dead body. Isn't that an amazing scripture? It was the barley. That's an amazing scripture. A prophecy written hundreds of years which no one understood until it was fulfilled when the blood of Jesus hit those rocks. They had to split open. And it says that the bodies, many bodies arose. With my dead body shall they arise, awake and sing ye that dwell in the dust. For thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out our dead. Now, we all know and remember the scripture in Ezekiel. When he goes to this valley, there's all dead bones there. Right? You've all heard that one preached many times. The valley of dead bones. Don't you realize that that was prophesying a bodily resurrection of the barley? Because he asked, who is these? And he says, this is the whole house of what? Israel. This is the whole house of Israel. How did it happen? The spirit came. The wind blew. He had to breathe on them twice. And then they all stood up. He said, this is impossible. How can this happen? Because God predicted it. He promised it. Amen. That's the first fruits of the barley. And we'll, we'll be teaching some more of that maybe Tuesday night. We'll go into a little bit more detail. Now the wheat harvest 
which is the secret day. As I said, we knew that the USA was going to go in and pick up their citizens because it was all over, but we didn't know when, and it happened last night. Just like that. Just like, it's going to happen one, one day, it's just going to happen. Thousands, maybe tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, maybe millions will have disappeared. And you may think, wow, how can that happen? You know, I don't even think people are going to notice it because at that time, things are going to be so bad that there'll, there'll be a lot of people disappearing. Thessalonians 4.16, here's one of our rock bottom scriptures. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. I told you about that loud voice. With the tr- voice of the archangel, with the trump of God and the dead in Christ. This is the wheat harvest. It's only those that died in Christ. How do you die in Christ? You got to put on Christ by baptism. The Bible says we are buried with him in baptism so that we can be resurrected in the likeness of his resurrection. If you're not buried with him, you ain't going to rise with him. You know, they they always put on the best suit when they're going to put someone in the grave. We have to put on Christ now. We got to put on Christ now. We start with baptism. We're buried with him in baptism. That's why it's so important. People think baptism is just an outward show. No, it has a salvation requirement. It has a salvation requirement. We have to be baptized and baptized the right way. You know, it's illegal to go out there and put a body on the ground and sprinkle some dust on it and say we buried him. (laughs) You get arrested for that. No, you got to immerse them in the ground. So you have to do the burial the right way. Else it's not legal. See, that's why it says John was by Jordan because there was much water. Jesus went down into the river. It's much more convenient to just sprinkle some drops. I would, I would much prefer that. We'd save a lot of money. But it would not be a baptism. It means completely immersed. We are buried with him by baptism so that we can be in the likeness of his resurrection. Because it says the dead in Christ. That's why there has to be several groups because obviously the Old Testament saints never met Christ in that sense. They were never baptized. So God has made a way for salvation for them through faith. That's what Romans said. God counted his, him righteous because of his faith. And faith leads to obedience. God gives grace. We give faith which leads to obedience, which then leads to salvation. And then here's for us. Then we, I hope I'm in the we, that are alive. And this very, very important word. You got, I want you to say this one with me. And remain. That's key. You can be alive and not remain. You know, we baptized several people, not here today. They did not remain. It's we who are alive and remain. The people who left the embassy when the troops came to rescue them, uh, uh, I'm sorry, they they missed it. They're going to come back and find it empty. What happened? Oh, no, we missed it. It's going to be too late. Then we which are alive and remain. That's probably the most important word. You have to remain. You have to have a made up mind. You have to be determined. That nothing is going to separate you. Then we which are alive and remain. Shall. Not maybe. If. Could. Shall. Shall. Let's say shall. Amen. Be caught up together with them in the clouds. To meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Isn't that awesome? See, this was modeled, and as I said, uh, most of us think, or it's been taught that it will be on Feast of Trumpets, but don't bet on that. Don't go sell your house uh, the day before uh, Feast of Trumpets, because it could be before that. You know, in the Old Testament, the model was that it was on Pentecost, actually, because when we look in the Old Testament, let's look at that. The law was given to, to on to on Pentecost to the Jews was 50 days after they left Egypt, God told Moses to do what? I'm going to come down on the mountain and you do what? You come up. 
When you hear the loud voice and the trumpet, you come up, Moses. You see, we don't know exactly. It could be any time between Pentecost and Feast of Trumpets. But be ready. Be ready. On the night they left Egypt, Moses told them, you got to get eat with your clothes on. Don't, don't be getting dressed. Don't be just getting dressed. You have to have Christ on now. You can't have Christ on later. That won't work. That won't work. You have to be dressed. Now he told him, eat with your clothes on, ready to go, with your bags packed, because God is going to come tonight. The angel is going to come, and he's going to pass over the houses that have the blood. See, he has become our Passover. Because when destruction comes to this earth, when Satan is cast down, and this world is going to become a prison, a prison for all the fallen beings, and God is going to pour out his wrath, the Bible says in Revelation, without measure, without measure. If I was God, I'd be really mad. I really would. When I look at the earth and all what's been going on, I, I, can't, I couldn't blame him for being mad. For how terrible man has become. And what things they have done. And then finally let's look at the last part of the harvest here. The oil and the wine. And we see many hints in the Old Testament. In Joel 2.24. And the floors shall be full of wheat. Because that's already been harvested. And then the vats shall overflow with the wine and the oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten. Now the locust is emblematic of de demonic. Remember when Jesus sent his disciples out and they came back and they said, oh, look at what he says, rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of, look, of, of life. And he says, because you've given us powers over what? Scorpions and all those demonic forms. So God is going to restore it during the millennium all the things that Satan has destroyed. And I heard a voice in heaven. And here is the four products written in, in, in Revelation. I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts saying, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. You see the four products that I've been talking about right there in Revelation. Deuteronomy 11:14 that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season. Remember it's a harvest year and that's why you needed an early rain and a what? A latter rain. And the latter rain that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thy oil. And when it says corn it's speaking about wheat. Wheat. So now let's go to the book of Revelation and and see where some of these seals start to get start to happen. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, and one of the four beasts or creatures saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering to conquer. And we, we already talked about that some time ago. It's, it's interesting that that word for bow is the word we get for uh, toxon, for, uh, in, in the Greek, toxic. And a crown was given. And the crown in the Greek there is corona. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? See, we may already be in the middle of some things being fulfilled and not really realizing it. Because it's coincidental, maybe, that the word in the Greek there is corona and the bow, the arrow, was was is the, the Greek word is toxin, which means to, means poisonous. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the beast say, "Come and see." And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. Now, when you talk about countries that have uh, their their main color on their emblem, their flag is red. You all know, can know who, which countries that is, don't you? Right? And they're, they're the ones right now that are either in war or threatening war. I wasn't going to say it, but okay. <laughs> if you look at China's flag, it's red. In fact, it's called what? Red China, right? And you look at Russia's flag, 
the, the, one of the three colors is on there is, is red. One third of it is red. And they're either in war or threatening war. In fact, in the book of Revelation, it talks about the Euphrates River being dried up. And coincidentally, it is drying up right now. You go Google it. Google it. It's drying up. And the Bible says it's making way for the kings of the east. Matthew twenty four twenty one. For then shall be great tribulation, such as what was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Now we talked a little bit about the fact that the, one of the clues that we're coming up to that time is this thing about the third day. And before I finish, I just want to go through some of that before we, we close. Next week, we will finish this series up. We're going to be talking about the mark of the beast. And the third day, see now why did the Bible put that in there? Does it matter what day? The Bible is trying to tell us something. He could have said, and one day he went to a wedding. But no, it doesn't say that. It says, it precisely tells us which day he showed up. See, we're expecting to go be going to a wedding, you know that? If you've been filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized, you got your invitation. You have been invited to a wedding. Well, it says here that Jesus came to the wedding on the third day. So that happens to be a Tuesday. Because the first day is, is Sunday. Second day is Monday. The Jews never had names for their days. They just called them the first, second, third. So the third day was a Tuesday. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. Interesting, the Bible tells us that he showed up to the wedding on the third day. Now let's look at all, the, there's, there's so many, I'm not going to go through them, but the Bible is telling us something here. When Abraham got his command to go and sacrifice his son, it was three days' journey. Genesis 22, 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with me, with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. But if you read the, from Genesis 22 through Genesis 24, there is no more mention of Isaac coming down the mountain. Now we know he did, but God was trying to show us something. The next mention of Isaac is when he meets his bride. He's sitting by the well of Lahai Roy, the well of living water. See, God is coming back. And it won't be long. I told you that it was on the third day that Moses was called up. Exodus 19.10 And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people, sanctify them today and tomorrow, and then let them wash their clothes and be ready against what? The third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. Exodus 19, 16. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mountain. The voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people in the camp were trembled. Now Leviticus 23, uh, 34. Speak unto the children of Israel saying, the fifteenth day of the seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. So we know the Feast of Tabernacles was a seven-day feast because the Bible tells us that, right? Deuteronomy sixteen thirteen: Thou shalt observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days after thou hast gathered in thy corn. They called it corn in the King James, but it's really the wheat and thy wine. Now, Jesus' brothers told him, aren't you going to the feast? And he said, I'm going when I'm going. I'm not telling you when I'm going. And so he appeared in the middle of the feast, which if it's a seven-day feast, it was on the third day. Let's read it. John 7, 2. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. If you could stand with me. His brethren, his brothers said unto him, Depart hence, aren't you going? Into Jerusalem, and thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. 
But when his brothers were gone up, he let them go. And he went to the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. It's a secret day. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, where is he? Where is he? And there was much murmuring among the people concerning him. For some said, he's a good man. Others said, nay, but he deceiveth the people. Howbeit no man spake openly of him for fear of the Jews. Now about the midst of the feast, in the middle of the feast, seven-day feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. That was the feast in which he said, if any man thirst, let him come to me. Right? And out of his belly shall flow what? Rivers of living water. The Bible goes on to tell us that he was speaking about the gift of the Spirit which had not yet been given. I'm telling you, we are in the last days. We don't know exactly when, but we can see from all the things that we have studied today, it's time to be ready. It's time to be ready. It's time to be ready. For those that are alive and remain shall be caught up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to be the ones that are alive and remain to be caught up. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm so grateful for God's mercy and his grace. It's not that we are perfect, but his covering and his uh, forgiveness and his blood. Amen. Covers. The Bible says it covers a multitude. Love covers a multitude of sins. Because of his great love that he has shown to us, we can be here today. The Bible says, let us rejoice that our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Hallelujah. We're going to close this Bible study today. Hope you've been blessed. I hope you've been encouraged. I hope you're looking forward to his coming. Hallelujah. If you could bow your hearts with me, Father, we thank you today for your goodness and your grace, your love that has been shed abroad into our hearts. Lord, help us, oh God, to be ready, to have the oil in our lamps and in our vessel. Lord, to be ready, to have our loins girded with truth. Hallelujah, to be ready for your coming, to be ready to give an answer, to be ready to spread this gospel. Hallelujah, to take some souls with us, to not appear before you empty-handed. Lord, we thank you for all that you have done for us. Lord, I pray you give us strength, give us the faith to endure the tribulations, Give us the desire, Lord God, to make it in, to remain, hallelujah, to be into your kingdom. Lord, we just thank you for all that you're doing in our lives, in our church, Lord God. We ask you to bless our second service. Speak to us. Lord, accept our worship, Lord God, as we sing, as we raise our hands. We just thank you for your goodness and your grace. And we give you, hallelujah, all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Give God a praise offering. Thank you, Jesus.